Are you ready to take control of your life? Overcome the obstacles that have been holding you back. I'm Dr. D, and welcome to Quitting is Not an Option, a podcast that inspires and empowers you to reinvent your past and revolutionize your future. I know what it feels like to be held back by past failures and setbacks as I myself lost a multi-million dollar business, home, investments, and marriage due to the bad acts of a CFO. But I rose from the ashes and recreated a new life and now I am an accomplished author, gifted speaker, consultant, and life coach. And each episode will cover tips and strategies to overcome adversity, overcome fear and feelings of failure. We also have experts and special guests who share their inspiring experiences to support you every step of the way. Together, we can help you find joy in your journey while positioning you towards success. Let's get started. Cybersecurity is the practice of defending computers and servers, mobile devices, electronic systems, networks, and data from malicious attacks. This practice is used by individuals and enterprises to protect against the unauthorized access to data centers and other computerized systems. Cybersecurity consists of different areas. However, our focus today includes network, application, information, and operational security, as well as disaster recovery and business continuity. Say network security. We mean the practice of securing a computer network from intruders, whether targeted attackers or opportunistic malware. Application focuses on keeping software and devices free of threats. A compromised application could provide access to the data it's designed to protect. So successful security begins in the design stage well before a program or device is deployed. When we think of information security, This is what protects the integrity and the privacy of data, both in storage and in transit. Operational, on the other hand, includes the processes and decisions for handling and protecting data assets. The permission users have when accessing a network and the procedures that determine how and where data may be stored or shared, all fall under this umbrella. That brings us to disaster recovery and business continuity. This subject defines how an organization responds to a cybersecurity incident or any other event that causes the loss of operations or data. Disaster recovery policies dictate how the organization restores its operations and 
information to return to the same operating capacity as before the event. Business continuity is the plan the organization will fall back on while trying to operate without certain resources. Cybersecurity is near and dear to my heart because I have been hacked. My phones, computer, tablet, credit card switched out three times in the span of one year. I can tell you from personal experience, it's not a pretty picture. It's disrupting, it's frightening, it's uncomfortable. And it can be extremely emotional, resulting in mental concerns. So you must stand firm and stay in the game because quitting is not an option when it relates to cybersecurity. How about when it relates to everything in your life? Let me give you some stats. The cybersecurity market worldwide was approximately 42 billion US dollars in 2022, up from 37 billion dollars US, I might add, in 2021. It is estimated that this figure will reach approximately 58 billion dollars by 2025. Now, the cost of cybercrime is projected to hit an annual 10 trillion. Yes, you heard me correctly. 10.5 trillion by 2025. Analysts also predict that over the next two years, 45% of global organizations will be impacted in some way by a supply chain attack. The U.S. lost 6.9 billion to cybercrime in 2021 alone, and it has only increased for 2022, not to mention what we should expect for 2023. Joining us today is Ms. Sandra Estock, a cybersecurity professional. Sandra has a story of her very own, and we will ask her to share momentarily. But let's talk about Sandra and what she brings to our table today. She has 20 plus years of experience in cybersecurity, IT, and data privacy. She is an MBA, a GIAC, GSLC, a CIPM, and the founder of Way to Protect. Her mission is to inspire individuals to overcome their fears of the cyber world and protect what matters most against hackers, scammers, and cyber monsters, those dreaded cyber monsters. Sandra, thank you for joining us today. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Hi, Dr. D. I love it. I love your show. I love, you know, quitting is not an option. Never. Not in the world of technology or in the real world. None. So, Never. And I love that. Well, I am so happy you're here to share with us today. And PFAM, allow me to be totally open. Uh, Sandra is my go-to person, you know, as a result of all the things that I'm going through. So you are in good hands today. PFAM, allow me to welcome you 
and a special welcome to all our relatives joining us for the first time from around the globe. Welcome, PFAM. We're happy and delighted to have you. Now, Sandra, please, please, please share your identity theft story and the impact it left on you. Absolutely. You know, when when I one of the questions that I get the most is, you know, why should I care about cyber? Like, you know, can it happen to me? Like, it's not. I'm not a corporation. I'm not a multi-million dollar you know, person or I'm not famous. And the reality is it can happen to anyone. And for me, the story started in 2006. I was in a plane. I was returning from South America. We were landing in Miami when the captain announced that Homeland Security officers were boarding the plane. I didn't think of anything, D, because my papers were in order. My, you know, I was relocated by my by by my company by my job a, a year earlier, and of course, I had my passport. And all of a sudden, I'm the only passenger that is marched off the plane by Homeland Security. And little did I know that what unfolded was a six-year nightmare that almost ruined my marriage, my career. And it took a severe toll on my mental health. And, you know, what happened and how this happened is a criminal stole my identity to smuggle women into the United States. And I I experienced this form of identity theft where I had to prove that I was the real me over and over and over for six years. And at the time, I wasn't in cybersecurity, so I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know who to ask. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I have just to accept that I am a victim and nobody can do anything. Nobody can help me. Nobody can answer me what's going on. I just have to endure the pain. And that was, you know, one of the reasons, the major reason why I shifted my career from technology to cybersecurity, and I made my mission to not let anybody go through this or even not don't have to go through this, like prevent, because there are so many things we can do. So my story doesn't become your story or or any 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 other kind of story, because there are many things that happen in the world of cyber that um are like you say, horrific, and that they can alter not only our well-being, our mental health, um, our financial health, our relationships, our trust in others. I mean, there are just so many layers that we can talk about. So, Sandra, now, when you say six years, mm-hmm. I've been suffering a couple years, <laughs> And please don't tell me I have to go through this for four more years. This is not a good thing. But is that an average? It depends. I think, you know, there are degrees. And I I will, I'll tell you, you know, there is a differentiation. There is identity theft where someone impersonates you, someone takes your life and they can commit crimes or they can do things. So they might be, Something simple as someone stole your credit card and maybe takes you a couple of 
weeks or months to get a new credit card, switch all your accounts, and it's painful, but you're like, oh, behind. Or it could be someone like me or someone even worse where they, you know, the FBI shows up in their door because somebody was doing illegal things on their behalf. And now they have to prove that they are in, you know, that person or they have criminal records that have been created under their name. So, you know, I, I will just say, like, it depends on the case and you know, it will vary depending on the severity of, of, the, of the situation and, and how can you um, navigate the recovery, you know, the fastest you could do and the things that you can implement, it will definitely help you to minimize the time. I didn't know anything, so I have to wait for six years because nobody was helping me <laughs> to do it. It's just amazing how the processes go against you. But in America, we are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But when you're facing cybersecurity attacks, it's really the other way around. You yeah. feel guilty, you know, right away. And you have that hovering over your head until such a time that you can get beyond it. So how do we protect ourselves? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question and a, a great perspective, Dr. D, because the, you know, the reality is you, you were sharing stats early on when we, you were doing a summary, an amazing summary of the industry. And you talk about how much are we spending in cybersecurity versus how much is this cybercrime business? And it's a legal business. And you were talking about trillions, right? Yeah. So we're spending billions to defend against a trillion dollar illegal business. So that in itself, it's a big challenge. And, you know, definitely one of the reasons they, you know, the, the growth of the cybercrime continues to explode and expand because it's profitable, because it's easy, because people make money. And um, they, you know, the traditional illegal activity, like, you, you know, used to be car cartels and it used to be drug dealing. Like most of those kind of businesses have gone underground because it's so much easier to be behind a computer and you don't know who are you talking to. You don't know if the person that is in the other side of that line or that phone or that computer or that tablet is that real person. And that's the biggest challenge. So other than the money, what are mm -hmm. other ways that make it so popular? Because to, to garner that kind of revenue in a mm -hmm. year, there has to be another or other driving factors. Yeah, so I, I call it cyber monsters because there are, not all of them are motivated by money. And there are differences in the type of motivation that they have. So there are the cyber criminals. And, you know, this is what I teach in, 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 in my books because you need to know that. You need to know that distinction. So you need to know what they are after so you can protect yourself. So cyber criminal are after money, like you said, but then there are other types like 
like it's hacktivism and it's a it's a combination of activism with hacking and what they do is they are usually after social or economical or political agendas so you'll see like you know when there are these movements or these protests like somebody behind might be hacking somebody else just so they can um you know go into the one of the sides of what they support or it could be that they are against a particular company or a particular organization and then and that that makes a reason for them to to hack that organization and then there is a third type of cyber monster that sometimes we underestimate very much and this one is the most i think 34% of the hacks happen through this and it's someone inside your life like some, it doesn't have to be a cyber criminal. It's someone that knows you. It's someone that might be your friend or frenemy, like I would say, or, you know, uh, spouses, bitter spouses, or it could be a disgruntled employee or ex-employee or a partner, or, you know, it, it could be also not intentional. It could be like some someone by accident just discloses information about your organization, about your life that can open the door for more cybercrime to happen. And then the fourth type, and I'll let you yeah, talk about it. You know you want to talk about that one. Go ahead. The fourth one is um, nations. Nations also do hacking. And, you know, you, we see it all the time and it's either Russia or China, U.S. and North Korea and this and that, like, you know, all the countries have a capability. And we always say that, you know, they're, they're, the battle, the, the battle of the online war, you, you might not see it, but it's happening and it's real and it's happening all the time. Um, whether it is to take an advantage about, you know, a particular program or a particular advantage for a country or it could be to steal secrets it could be to to give their own organizations an advantage over other countries organizations so the, the motivations could be several but they, there are so many layers of why someone will hack and then you get people that just want to prove that i can do it you know and there's i, I, see, these, I see them as just bored uh, individuals with nothing better to do, or they are greedy, uh, they want money, or it's a, a relationship crime. And we just don't know exactly what motivates them. But can you tell us what do they use most to hack? You know, there are different techniques, you know, about 80%. And I, I, before I say what they use, I will just say, in as a general rule, cyber monsters like to make it easy for them. Like they don't want, I mean, you, you'll hear the stories, of course, of these sophisticated hacks that happen to the government or like, organizations, which are really elaborated and they happen. Of course they do, but the majority, the 80% of the hacks that happen every day, it, you know, to individuals or, and organizations happen with simple things that they can get access. Like if you have a password, like one, two, three, four, five, six, 
is the most used password. And still 20 million people uses that password. So when you use that password, you make it easy for someone to, that is scanning the internet, that is scanning things to enter into your life. When we don't update our phone, and I always talk about, you know, if, if you have a house and there's a big hole in your living room, right? And you see the hole and you're like, oh, somebody can get through that hole and get into my living room. And maybe, you know, my kids will be there. My family will be there. I'm pretty sure if you see that hole, you're going to cover that hole, right? But when we think about the updates in our computer, the updates on the phone, we don't think about, oh, there's a big hole because I haven't updated my phone. We just think, ah, ah, that's something I don't want to do now. It's boring. It's, but it's the same hole that somebody can sneak into your house. So, you know, that those are two simple ways, you know, having passwords that are so easy to guess and not taking care of the basics. Okay. Now, this, this cyber crime usually yields a one-year jail term for up to $1,000. And it only goes to three years for more than that. Why, Sandra, why, oh, why, oh, why is hacking devalued? I mean, it's costing the country trillions of dollars. So to penalize a hacker with a one-year jail term for up to $1,000 and then approximately three years for anything over that, that's devaluing. So why is that so? No, I, this is my personal opinion. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, I don't, you know, pretend to be any, any, anything like that. But I think the evolution of technology, the, the pace where how technology develops is so much faster than the pace where laws and regulations develop. So we're trying to catch up in a world with everyday changes. And, you know, the, the, the thing that you go to the police or you go to someone and you say, someone, someone stole my identity or someone stole my, 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 my ID or someone stole my Facebook account, someone stole my Instagram account. And those are, are in considered crim crimes, even though they might be scamming other people, they might be doing other things, but they're not, we haven't catch up to those type of crimes compared to if someone goes to a store with an arm, you know, a, a weapon and they are there and they, that is, it's a traditional crime that is really documented and is really, um, easy for the police and for the law enforcement to, you know, pursue. But the online world is a different. And I think, it, you know, we need to catch up to that because there are lives that are in danger. And, you know, we see a ransomware, which is one of the type of crimes that can happen. And imagine this situation, the you are sick or someone from your family, you know, it's, it's in an emergency, a medical emergency, and you go to a hospital and that hospital that happens to be a, a ransomware victim and you can get your, you know, you cannot get your, your person receiving the first care that they need. 
And that person, and it has happened already, you know, could have danger in their life. It, you know, it, it could die. It could, you know, you, you could have records that are not available if someone is allergic and, you know, they get it there and they don't have all the information. And again, you know, those are things that we need to catch up to and, and make sure the the level of crimes and the severity of the crime align with the severity of the, you know, of, of what is the, I don't want to say punishment because it's not the word that I use often, but you know, what is the, the, um, the legal action that has to measure with the impact and the impact on the online world. It's severe. It's very severe, you know, to some individuals. You mentioned going to the police And I know that doesn't do anything. So who do we report hackers to? You always have to go to the police because here's why. You need to have a record in writing that whatever happened or whatever, someone sold your wallet or you lost your wallet, you lost your your ID, your credit card, your um, driver license, your passport, whatever it is, you need to report that. Because if someone commits a crime or someone creates a fake account and opens credits and, you know, it will make so much sense or it will be so much easier for you to demonstrate that it's not you if you have a police report. Even though the police might not do anything, but having that report it's essential for your own sake to prove that it wasn't, you know, that's not you. I always advise, like, you know, whatever happens in your life, make proof, like take screenshots and document. And if you are going through identity theft or cybercrime or any even cyberbullying, always, always make those screenshots because those are the proof things you can have if someone questions you in the future or you are in a situation, you have to prove it. You mentioned uh, this whole, and we are to update our phones and our computers. What other mechanisms can we use to protect ourselves? Because the whole seems to be there Uh, For me personally, because I have updated my phones and I try to keep them updated as well as my computer. But the other thing about updating, when they drop apps on your phone and they drop apps on your computer, how are we supposed to manage that? Yeah, so there, there are signs where something is off and the like. Think about this. If if you have symptoms, like if you are feeling, I don't know, numbness in your legs, or if you have tingling in your hands, or you like something is going on in your body, right? You you can feel something is different than yesterday. And you might say, Oh, I want to check this with a doctor, right? Because I something is different. You take, you know, you take action. In the same way, if you have a phone, if you have a computer that is behaving differently, if you see things you have never seen before, if you see apps that aren't there, those are indications that you can be compromised and that you need to take an action to clean that computer, to remove whatever it is there, that malware that is already 
there and and you have to go to the root and just make sure that like in the case of your own health you go to the doctor you figure out what's going on and you might get an MRI or you might get whatever the doctors say, right? You need to do the same with your, your with your digital life. You need to take an action. Okay. All right. That PPAM, you heard it now. We're speaking with a cybersecurity expert who has dealt with some of these same things that we're facing right now. So please, please listen in. Please listen in. I also want to take a minute now and introduce her book, the new book that Sandra has released and is preparing right now to release it in Spanish, uh, another language. And so we're I'm hoping that she can release it in languages all around the world because we need it. And I want my PFAM to have it. You need access to it. And you don't need to buy it just in English and try to interpret, okay? So <laughs> we're pleading with Sandra to make it available to all of my relatives across the globe. Sandra, tell us about the book. Yeah, you know, I, I wrote Happily Ever Cyber is the title of my book. And it, it's been my journey because what I realized when when my identity theft happened and i you know the i switched my career from technology to cybersecurity you know i have <laughs> this story i was learning cyber and i would i was coming i will go home and i will tell my husband we're going to get hacked oh my god change your password you're going to do this you're going to do like i was in like learning cybersecurity and i felt overwhelmed because there is just so much that happens the terminology is some you know something even though i was in technology it was overwhelming for me and that feeling of overwhelm that feeling not knowing what is the first step what should i do like what i like guess so much it's my password, it's my accounts, it's my phone, it's my computer. It's, you know, where do I start? What do I do first? I have no, I had no idea. And it took me a while to figure that the reason my husband and my friends were not paying attention to me, they were like, whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's speaking in a language that it didn't resonate with them. I was trying to convince them with facts and stats and numbers and this and that, that didn't make sense. It didn't touch them. But when I realized, well, it's, you know, it's a personal story. When we connect with that personal story and when we, like you that is listening to us right now, I want you, how many emails you have in your inbox that you know are in real? How many you know, text messages you get or how many family members you know could be in danger. Like when we start talking about the stories and the things that can happen to us, that changes and that makes a whole different dynamic. And then we start caring. And that that motivated me to write the book and to write a book that incorporates stories, that incorporate my personal journey, that incorporates, of course, teaching about 
the basics of cybersecurity, but in a way that is not overwhelming, in a way that is simple, in a way that guides you to take the actions, you know, because it's overwhelming, but you you cannot protect everything at the same time. But so you can prioritize, you can decide what is that matters most, and then have that be your guide. Be a like it's not a journey. Like I don't see like you're gonna be cyber secure. Oh, you got there. I'm done. <laughs> like I'm done. It isn't that way. It's not. It's a journey that we every person, whether you agree, whether you like it, whether you not, you are on it because you have a phone, because you have a computer, because you have a tablet, because even if you don't have any of that, you might have a bank account that is online. And even if you don't like any of that and you say, I'm not that, if you don't claim your digital life, somebody else might claim it for you. It's frightening. It's frightening. But PFAM, the book is an easy read. When we think of cybersecurity, we think of all the words that are 20 letters long and, and stuff that is so foreign. I have read the book. It is phenomenal and it is an easy read. You must have it. It will guide and direct your cybersecurity path. Sandra, will hackers ever stop? Um, I will say, you know, will crime ever stop? Like, will drug dealers ever stop? Will, you know, robbery banks or robbery stores or, you know, someone doing criminal activities will ever stop? Um, you know, that's a question and that's a motivation for, for some people. And as long as that it's a business and it's profitable, I don't see it stopping. Um, I don't think I don't think in a pessimistic way. I'm I'm a very positive person, and I believe that there is so much each of us can do, and that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to feel, oh my God, this is all awful. It's overwhelming, and I cannot do anything. I just have to wait to be hacked and react. <laughs> That's not the case. You know, there. The, I love you know, discovering in my journey that the empowerment we have, like we don't talk about how much power we have in our fingertips, but if the next time you have an email and you have a link or you have an attachment or you have a, a, a weird or, or an unknown phone call, just know you can choose to answer. You can choose to respond to the email. You can choose what to do. Like nobody can make you do something. And that's the difference. When we start seeing our interactions with technology that way, the power isn't in the attacker. The power isn't in the cyber monsters. The power isn't in the cyber crime industry. The power is on us. I love that. Regaining your cyber security power. Bam! You can do it. You can do it. And we're we're just elated to have our cybersecurity expert here to guide us through this process, to hold our hands as we move about. Sandra, please tell the PFAM how they can find you. Let's have your website. Where can we get the book? Please. 
yeah, you can go to my website, sandraestock.com. And there you will have all the information. You can join our newsletter. You can join, you know, our our network, our community in in our uh, social media, and and get familiar with it and start seeing cybersecurity as something that can encourage you, can empower you, can you know, can you feel different? And you know, I I am always I live my life thinking that everything that happens, happens for me. And even my identity theft, I, I it, it was painful, but I now realize why it had to happen. And it gave, it gives me the biggest opportunity to share the biggest impact I can make just sharing my story, sharing everything that I have learned so that you don't have to be like me, that you, you can be someone that feels empowered and and that protect yourself, your family, your business, you know, whatever it is that you care about. Hey fam, cybersecurity from victim to victor with Sandra Estock. So we're happy, Sandra, to have you here once again. Please provide your a website address or an email or any other contact you want to leave with the P fam. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. D. And it was delightful. Again, you can contact me at Sandra, S-A-N-D-R-A, Estoc, E-S-T-O-K, dot com. Uh, or you can find me in my in my social media also at Way to Protect. It's Way number two, Protect. Those are all my social media handles. And I'm, I'm so excited to you know, to, to be with you, to, to, to be in this journey together, because I didn't have anyone to be holding my hand. And I wish I had me back then, but now I get to be with you and hang out with you and enjoy together a way to be cyber safe. Your vulnerability, which provided a blessing, and now you are blessed to be a blessing. So we thank you for all of this information. Sandra, this is very important information. We appreciate your dissemination and knowledge transfer. And again, we thank you for joining us today. P-Fam, you heard it right here on Quitting is Not an Option. I want to thank you for tuning in. And please know, please remember that quitting technology is not a way out. Technology is here to stay, and you must find your way to understanding and meeting the requirements to protect yourself and your business from hackers and attackers. Unfortunately, they seem to have nothing better to do. So allow me to leave you with 1 Corinthians 3.19. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Take care and be safe. Thank you for listening. I hope you found today's episode valuable and inspiring. Remember, you have the power to reinvent your past and revolutionize your future. If you 
you want to continue on your journey towards emotional freedom and achieving your full potential, be sure to visit drdcarol.com. That's D-R-D-E-E-C-A-R-R-O-L-L.com for more resources and information. Again, thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that quitting is not an option.